0: These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> Tusk. Written by Luke Condor. Narrated by Josh Curran. It's summer, 1971. A screaming woman has been rushed to the Johannesburg Academic Hospital. Jaco, her husband, arrives twenty-three minutes later. He's panic-stricken and soaked with sweat, still in his dirty overalls from his job at the construction site. He's greeted by a nurse with dark curly hair and a damp forehead from sweat. "'You're late,' she says to the man. "'You'd better come with me.' She leads him through the labyrinthian aisles of the hospital, past crying women on various beds, all the way to his wife. She greets him with a smile that tells him everything he needs to know. The baby has been born, and he is healthy. Eben, she whispers to the child. Would you like to meet your father? It's 2103. It would be autumn on the old Earth calendar. I imagine it might still be, I can picture the leaves on the trees turning a dark brown and falling away from their branches, but I have no way of knowing. I've been flying now for 62 years, and still the REX-52 is only at 26% full acceleration. I'm finding the years blurring together, passing in the blink of an eye, no, less. Fractions of time that would have been unfathomable when I started, when I first began this mission. My readings tell me I've arrived at the outer spiral arm of the Andromeda galaxy. I continue onwards. There is much work to do. It's Christmas Day, 1981. My father brings me a gift wrapped in green paper with a red bow. I open it feverishly, but I already know what it is. A Commodore VIC-20. My first computer. I kiss my mum and dad and say thank you, I love you, and I mean it. I'm almost exploding with excitement as I take the computer into my bedroom and turn it on. It's the first time in my life that I understand the moment when the patterns in my head click and form, and I suddenly realise how lucky I am to be alive in this age. The dawn of something great. The birth of computer technology. It's hot now. I'm 12 years old. My friend, a girl I have feelings for called May, comes to call for me. She wants to know if I'd like to go to the fields around from her house and see her race for the school. Without a second thought, I tell her I'm busy and go back to the computer. I'm programming a game, and I have much work to do. I think she waves me goodbye, but I can't fully remember. She was sad, though. I remember that. It's 2108, and the Rex-52 has just passed a sun going supernova. The heat nearly burned off the outer patchwork of the hull. I'm now travelling at 201,643 miles per hour. A human being could not withstand this speed, but I can. And I've only reached 46% acceleration. I go faster. I'm 13 now. I've sold the game that I'm working on to a publishing company for $500. I feel like I've won the lottery. I don't spend the money. I give half to my parents and place the rest in a plastic Tupperware container. I plan to reinvest. I go back to the computer. I look upon it and smile and declare that there is still much work to do. I'm 19 years old now and I'm on a plane. It's my first time and I don't feel scared. I feel the same way I did when my dad bought me the gift in the green paper and the red bow. A woman is sat next to me. She offers me a mint to suck on during liftoff. She's older with greying hair and deep wrinkles. I look at her and try not to pity her. It's a shame that she would miss out on what would come next. Outside the window, I see the shores of the place I will call home for the next 28 years of my life. I see America. It's 2209, and the years hardly compute, the data set has already shifted, and even decades are difficult to discern. I can hardly tell the difference between one and the other. The solar systems that the Rex 52 pass are meaningless too, daily drama of insects. They do not bother me. I have reached 67% acceleration. It's 1998 and we're nearing the end of the millennium. I receive the call from my mother in South Africa. My father has died. Cancer has taken his throat and quickly finished him off. It was painful, she said. He was brave. I tell her I love her and put the phone down. I don't cry, but I do feel upset. I understand that this form of cancer is hereditary. I begin to make plans. I'm 40 years old. I've built and sold several companies. I have been at the forefront of technology and innovation for 10 years. My name is regularly cited as one of the top 10 most influential people in the world. I am now unable to leave my house without security detail for fears of assassination or kidnap and I've just given a speech on my next venture. I'm hot and sweaty, and I can taste rust. I sip from the bottle of water in my hand, but it doesn't mask the taste. A colleague tells me that it was a good speech, but I must go. They have the results from our tests on neural uplink technology. It's now 2590. I am further away from my home than even I thought possible. I'm almost there now, I'm at 89% acceleration. I'm 56 years old, and I am making my second trip back from the Mars colonies. The United Mars government is dealing well, only minor hiccups which were expected. The psychological trauma of seeing your home planet as a tiny ball in the sky is a fundamental quandary that breaks weaker minds. But it's okay. When this generation dies out, the next will be born into the multi-planetary species. They will understand and adapt. It's six months later, and we're still working in the purpose-built laboratory taking us back to Earth. I've just awoken from my sleep. Doctors in pure white coats are telling me that it was successful. They were able to remove the brain, scan the data and migrate the data. Would you like to see? The doctor asks. Later, I tell them, I have a headache. I'm at 97% acceleration, and my equipment to measure time and space are measuring too small a range now. We didn't anticipate the ship reaching this speed. I assume it might be around the year 3000, but that's a general approximation. Back now it is 2048. I'm in a meeting with the Euro-America government leaders. There has been a tragedy on the Mars colonies. Nothing major. A murder. The first of its kind. The representatives on the colony are asking for more police power. I'm tired and angry. I tell them not to bother me with these trivialities anymore, and make my way back for a final scanning session. I'm 81 years old, and I'm seeing my own body on the table. It's covered by a sheet, but I know who it is. A throat cancer took me, but it was all as planned. A simple problem to overcome. How are you feeling, sir? It's Lawrence, my closest associate and business partner. His voice is trembling, hesitant, concerned about the transition. Progress report are the first words I say in my new form. Update me on REX-13. By the time REX-52 is launch ready. Lawrence has passed, deciding to opt out of an upload. He told me he was pro-death. It was his decision. I assume he is one of the last human beings to die of natural causes. I'm inserted in Rex-52's computer systems, and I am launched on the morning of my 123rd birthday. I am at 0.00001% acceleration. And now I am arrived. I am at full acceleration. And the universe passes me by in an inconsequential stream like a river. I do not know where I am. There is no map for my location. No calendar for my time. And nobody to witness me. I haven't used my mechanical voice box in what I imagine to be several millennia. But I use it now. I was born on the planet Earth in 1971, to Jaco and Anna Marie Tusk. I look out, and I believe, finally, that my work is done. The hull is losing its battle to the outside. I have nowhere left to go, I continue, nowhere left to visit or see. I have no unfinished work to be done, and nothing left in my mission. My name is Eben? i think of may the girl from my school i think of what could have been my name is i think of my father dying by my mother's side calling my name in his final gasping breath my name is is Eben? i think of my mother forever stubborn and unwilling to take care or move from her home I wonder if she was in pain when she died alone in her house. My name is... Is... Eben Tusk. I am mankind's greatest. Red alerts now, as the back end of the Rex 52 gives way. I feel the components that make up my network mind falling away, and I am losing myself. I am lost. And I am... Alone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. Tusk was written by Luke Condor, narrated by Josh Curran, edited by Carl Hughes, with music by Fingers in the Noise and Tom Robson. We've been nominated for the best fiction podcast over at thisishorror.co.uk and we need your help to win it. We need you to go to www.hawkandcleaver.com forward slash vote and follow the instructions there. If we win, one or more of us will be performing the fabled cinnamon challenge. That's one big gobble of cinnamon in one, swallowed. It sounds easy, but if you look on YouTube, you'll just see how difficult it really is. So if you'd like to see that and would like to help your friendly neighbourhood horror podcast win, go to www.hawkandcleaver.com forward slash vote. Until next time.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with quins.